0: Hi, I'm Mickey Lowe.
1: Hi, I'm Bishop Todd. And welcome Welcome to the the C4SO C4SO Podcast. Podcast.
0: Mickey, what's up? Hey, Bishop Todd, how are you today?
1: Good. What's up for me is being reminded in this conversation today (laughs) that I always need a coach.
0: Okay, that's that's encouraging because I'm brand new to all of this, and I definitely benefit from coaching. Right. So <laughs> it never ends, right? So today we get the chance to sit down with our friends Karen Miller from Strengthening Your Leadership and Jay Fowler from Pastor Surf, and they sit down and talk with us about coaching for Christian leaders. And the beautiful thing is, is even if you are a new church planter or you are 50 years removed from church planting and anything in between, you can benefit from coaching. And so they talk to us about what are some of the identifiers for one who is interested in that, the work that comes along with uh, being in a coaching relationship with someone and all the topics that they cover. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation today with Karen Miller and Jay Fowler.
1: Awesome. I think I think sometimes I've known these guys longer than you are old.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. I haven't I haven't done the math, but we've known each other a long time. It's great yeah, to have them.
0: Yeah, it, it's fun for me to get to m- basically meet all of Bishop Todd's you know friends and colleagues from over yeah, the years. Are some so oh, geez, right, right. <laughs> So, Karen and Jay, we want to give our listeners a chance to get to know you um, and just hear a little bit about your stories. But first, we're going to start with kind of a fun question. You know, today's subject is, is coaching and coaching Christian leaders. And speaking of coaching, why don't you guys tell us about something that you really stink at, that you're not good at, that you wish you could have coaching in yourself, maybe like dancing, cooking, something fun that... You would be open to receiving coaching in. So, Karen, why don't we start with you?
2: I would love to have coaching in ice skating. However, right now, I mean, my body wouldn't be able to do it. But yeah. I mean, ice skate as a kid a little bit on a local creek. And oh, fun. Um, it was always frustrating because I really wanted to do it better. And so, that's something I would like to be coached in. In fact, for my birthday, Kevin took me to Dancing with the Stars in Chicago. Oh, nice. So I love ice skating.
0: That's a good one.
1: I have lots of memories of flailing around on the ice and not knowing (laughs) what to do.
0: I think I spent
2: more time (laughs) on the
0: ice than skating (laughs) skating on the ice. Totally, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Okay, Jay, what about you?
3: Well, funny you mentioned dancing. Um, Like, I play guitar, and I have really good rhythm with my hands and my arms, but everything else just doesn't work. So I I have two daughters. And they both are now married. And for both of their weddings, I had to go to dancing lessons with my <laughs> wife to do yeah. that father-daughter dance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I was so nervous and I was <laughs> so terrible. I am so terrible at dancing. I, the, the, their weddings were only two years apart, and I had to completely relearn everything the second yeah, time. Yeah. I remembered none of
0: it, oh, like the gosh.
3: box step. And, Anyways, mm-hmm. I got through it, and um, I'm glad for the coaching I received.
1: So your there daughters you still love you. That's the main thing.
3: <laughs> they love the effort
0: I put in. I love the
3: result, but they <laughs> love the heart and the effort. <laughs> That's
0: right. So we'd love for you guys to introduce uh, the coaching work that you do and sort of your journey to how, how you both got here, how this became a part of your vocation.
2: I was in a small school and we had this group called Explorers, which was an adventure hiking group. And I lived in Maryland right along the Potomac River. So we had the Appalachian to hike on. And there was this young man in the group who had become a Christian, who is now my husband, and he would always have his Bible. And if we were out on a Sunday he would lead us in a service. The first time I remember Kevin preaching was in the middle of floating down the river in inner tubes. And he's in the middle of the nice. river with his baseball cap and his Bible, <laughs> preaching the word of God as we float down the Potomac. Did he speak on living water? I <laughs> thought that would have been nice. Uh, yeah. um, I began watching Kevin and how he was living his life. And so one day I asked him, you know, who is this? What is this God that you serve? I mean, I had grown up Catholic, so I knew there was a God, but I wanted to have what Kevin had. So he led me to the Lord. So he always says that I was his first convert (laughs) as he was a young Christian. So from there, um, when we got married, we knew that we would always be involved in a local church, which we were. So I've always, uh, for the last 42 plus years, we've always been involved as lay leaders and then. On into life, we got involved, um, both of us ending up on staff, on a church staff. And I've actually been on small and midsize and large church staffs and in organizations. So I always loved, I was executive pastor for 14 years. And what I really loved was working with the staff. I loved supervising them and mentoring them. And so there came a time when my husband and I felt called just to go and uh, be pastors. He's a senior pastor at Church of the Savior in Wheaton, Illinois. Bishop Todd helped us find our way there, and we love it. But as I was finishing up the 14 years as an executive pastor, I realized that I was really getting weary of all the problem-solving stuff. And so Mm. somebody said to me, so it's like, You are the one untying all the knots, but you want to coach people how to untie their knots. I said, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I was turning 60 at the time and was trying to, well, actually a little younger than that, but I wanted to figure out what do I want my legacy to be? Um, Billy Graham had just come out with a -hmm. a book called Legacy. And so I decided I want to coach and I really want to coach church planters our church planters, mm. church staff people, and church ministry leaders, as well as uh, Christian leaders in the business world. So mm. I decided to start Strengthen Your Leadership. Awesome. And we're glad you did.
0: Yeah. You. I,
1: I know many of your clients who are grateful for you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing, Karen. So, Jay, same question for you. Tell us about kind of how you came to the faith and your journey toward your vocation in ministry.
3: Uh Yeah, I, I grew up here in the Kent City area. Uh, I went to a, uh my parents went to an Episcopal church, and I went to that church, but it was very lifeless and very dead. But when I was in high school, this lady started leading the youth group who had been touched by the Holy Spirit in the charismatic revival in the Episcopal church, and she just was mm-hmm. all about Jesus. So she would open her big Bible up and say to us, let me tell you what Jesus did in my life this week. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, at that point, I really didn't believe in God. I went to the church because my parents went there and they asked me to go. So I went, I was a little bit of a wild kid. <laughs> um, but I remember listening to her and thinking like, she really believes this. And mm-hmm. then like other kids around the table that we were sitting at, they would start doing the same thing, opening their Bibles up and saying like, well, here's what God spoke to me this week. And I thought like, this is clearly real to all these people. Yeah. Anyways, but they loved me really well, you know, and I kept coming back. And in that context, I began to learn to pray and, um, uh, eventually got to the place where I really gave my life to Jesus and said, Lord, as much as I can, I want to do whatever it is you want me to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started getting involved with like a ministry called Young Life here in Kansas City. Um, and, um, started learning how to share my faith and, um, anyways, eventually ended up uh, working at a church as a youth pastor and then went to seminary and got ordained in the Episcopal Church um, and um, eventually joined the Anglican Church in North America what that I'm a part of now. And along the way, I planted a church and gosh, if I got some good coaching right when I started planting. Um, and then, then I didn't really have a lot of good coaching. And so I think, I don't know when it was, probably about 20 years, maybe more than 20 years ago. I started looking for a coach and I got, I started receiving coaching. So I have actually received coaching myself for a couple of decades. And so I know personally how valuable it's been to me. Mm -hmm. So I started like doing some sort of um, informal coaching of other pastors um, and taking them under my wing. And then in 2014, I came on staff with this ministry called Pastor Serve, and now I I do coaching, I mean a lot of coaching, and have gotten some more training for that and have been certified in coaching and all that stuff. And and I still have a coach. I met with my coach yesterday, actually. So I just think it's really valuable, and I'm happy that it gets to be part of what I do now.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jay. That's a great segue into saying, I know how much Mickey has... um, talked about how much her and Travis have appreciated their coaching from uh, Brad Swope and others. And just to say that the vast majority of people who listen to this podcast are clergy, but but some are lay leaders. And obviously we're having you guys on because we want to underscore the value of, of coaching. And I was just thinking, uh, Jay, I went out to get a bite to eat a minute ago, and while I was waiting in line at the store, uh, I, the thought crossed my mind that I'm 67 and been in the ministry since I was 19 and I still have regular monthly coaching appointments Mm. Mm -hmm. because I was thinking, well, the issues of life change. Like in Mm -hmm. 1979, when I was 23, starting my first church, the issues were one thing. And now the issues in my life are so complex, so nuanced. There's so many of them that um, even I just so value somebody to, Check my thinking, check my perspective, um, ask good constructive questions, etc mm-hmm. so let 's get into coaching by asking this question because uh, some of our listeners uh, I think will have this question that is so what exactly is Christian coaching meaning like how 's it different from spiritual direction or mentoring or counseling and i 've always said, I think I learned this from John Maxwell like thirty years ago. <laughs> that I've always believed that we should be surrounded by a cluster of people who speak into our life. So I also have a spiritual director and I sometimes get counseling when I need it. How, how do you, how would you define that Karen to somebody who's wondering about it?
2: Well, I'm also a therapist in, back, in back background. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in the state of Illinois. And so I've had to actually tease that out as I have become mm-hmm. a coach Therapy is really looking more at a person's background, their trauma, uh, especially like abuse, or just family of origin issues. And so you're you're looking at the past, helping them come forward and to live a healthy, transformed life now. I find that coaching helps you develop as a person to take responsibility and maximize your strengths. I love talking mm-hmm. about people's strengths and their potential and about goals. And also about problem solving, helping them learn how to problem solve the things in their own leadership. Spiritual direction is more uh, focuses on helping you discern what God is doing. What is his invitation to you? And I have also always had, since I've been in ministry, a leadership coach, but then also a spiritual director. Um, My spiritual director for years was Marilyn Stewart, which I heard Brian Wallace mentioned a quote yeah. from her on his last podcast. I found that a lot of times I wish that they had both been the same person. And yeah. so I decided with my coaching, I wanted to combine the two. Now I'm clear. I'm not a certified spiritual director. So if somebody really wants that, I have a list of people, but I do spiritual formation mm-hmm. because I feel like to be a successful leader, you know, to, you need to focus on growing your leadership skills but also caring for your soul, yeah. and as a leader, I think you always have to be working on the internal and the external work. And so, even as we're talking about skills, what is that? What's going on in your soul that made you make right. that decision? So yeah, I've found some really people good like that. I'm clear in Karen. spiritual formation, mm-hmm. and I have people sign something to clarifying I'm not their therapist. However, however, the therapy experience has helped a lot. I've sent people leaders sure. to therapy and getting an antidepressant, yeah. um, that it's okay to have medication to help you. That's yeah. how I Yeah,
1: that's a really good point, Karen. The yeah. person that I see monthly now is a really highly regarded consultant slash coach, but he's also a really treasured uh, spiritual director. So when we're talking, our agreement is he's a coach. But I sometimes will say, hey, would you mind putting your spiritual director hat on for Mm -hmm. a moment? And let's talk Mm -hmm. about how I'm showing up to this, right? So there's like the problem or the issue. Mm -hmm. But you're absolutely right. We show up to it as ourselves. And sometimes we need to be aware of the self uh, that we're bringing into this situation. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really glad you talked about that intersection. Jay, what about you? When you have a somebody who's saying, Hey, I don't know. I'm thinking about being, getting coaching. What is coaching? What do you say to him?
3: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I, I really liked a lot of what you said, Karen, about those different roles. Um, when I, when I try to get specific about coaching, I, I usually say, coaching is a structured intentional conversation to help you make progress on challenges you're facing in your personal life or your ministry life. Yeah. When I coach somebody, I actually have a structure to the conversation. It's not like just grabbing lunch with somebody or having coffee and checking in a life. There's actually a structure. It goes somewhere. It starts somewhere and it ends somewhere. Um, It's intentional that we put it on the calendar. It isn't something that we just fall into accidentally. It's very intentional. Um, There's a goal, and that's to make progress on some challenge you're facing or some concern that you're um, dealing with in your life. and That might be in your soul, in your personal life, in your heart. Or or it might be in the more external parts of your life, in your preaching, or your discipleship, or your leading, or resolving conflict. And certainly there's overlap of spiritual direction. I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. And I try to listen to the Lord as I listen to people I'm coaching. And if something comes to me as I'm coaching someone, I'll often say, gosh, you know, as you're sharing this and we're thinking about this together, can I share with you something that's coming to me? And it might be a Bible verse or a thought or a truth or something from scripture.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. I'm grateful for the way you both have kind of framed what coaching is and what it looks like. How, how would you help someone identify when they need it? Um, especially if it's something new that, uh, people are just now stepping into or just now hearing about it, or maybe someone who's listening to this is like, I think I might benefit from that. So what would you guys say? Yeah,
3: I, I would say, um, well, I mean, I think it's, as I said, I've, I've had coaching for decades. I think it's just something everybody has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's like when you find yourself stuck a little bit, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like I said, like there's some challenge or a concern in front of you and you feel like, well, I've thought about this a bunch of myself and I just cannot seem to make progress on it. I feel stuck.
0: Right. Um,
3: and again, that might be something internal. It might be something more external that's part of your vocation. Um, I think if you don't have a safe place to process things, uh, then that's mm-hmm. really important to have a coach. So it might be that you're in a church setting where there are certain things you need to process and you don't really know who to talk to them about. And they're not really like something like counseling, but they're a little bit more tied to your vocation. Right. And so that might be an indicator. You just need an outside, an outside voice to help you have a safe place to begin to process and come up with some
0: strategies. Awesome. That's helpful. Karen, what about you?
2: I agree with that, Jay. That's a great um, word. I think for me too, it's the same with this, you know, being stuck um, or burning out or feeling lonely. I think these days that every leader needs a coach, just someone to talk to. I just had a client like right before this uh, podcast, who all she was like, I'm just going to vomit today. And she cares a lot in life. And so she just let it all out and she kept apologizing because as leaders, we apologize, right? We're supposed to have it all together. And so this is a place where they don't have to have it all together. And so we kind of yeah. unpacked uh-huh. a lot of what was going on. I think too, especially church planters, I think they're out there, you know, lonely. I love C4SO and all the support mm-hmm. that we give. And I find that individual coaches can help. I also think when you need practical things, um, just like with the church planters, a lot of times I give them a lot of practical things like going through seminary, they never learned how to do HR, right? So I was an executive pastor who built an HR department within the church. Um, so I have a lot of resources I can give them. So a lot of times people will come when they're like, I just don't know what to do with this employee or something like that. Mm, yeah,
1: yeah. C4SO podcast listeners, we want to hear from you. As we plan for 2024, we want to know if there is anybody that you would like to hear featured on the podcast. Bishop Todd and Mickey are always up for a good conversation, so feel free to shoot us an email at admin at c4so.org and let us know who you have in mind. We'll do our best to accommodate the requests and look forward to putting out new great content in 2024. Thank you. So Jay, you know, we've all heard people say, "Hey, I went to counseling. I went to therapy and man, he or she saved my life. Or I went to counseling or therapy and I'm not sure it did anything. So in your guys' experience, who does well with coaching and why? And then who doesn't do so well with coaching?
3: The people who do really well with coaching understand what coaching is and what it is not. Mm. So that it's not deep therapy, but it's also not consulting. So consulting is when you're calling somebody saying, tell me what I need to do. And then yeah. you just get told what to do. And coaching is coaching takes work on the part of the person receiving the coaching. They have to be willing to engage it. They have to name the challenge they want to work on. They have to be willing to explore it from different points of view. And mm-hmm. then they need to be willing to articulate some action steps. So mm-hmm. there's, they have to do the work as well as the coach people that understand that coaching is primarily about exploration, using questions rather than telling somebody what to do. Those Mm. people do really well. I usually say, look, you're the expert. I'm just here to help. And Mm. so, you know, your context better than I know it. You know, your own gifts better than I know your gifts. You know the people you're working with. I don't even know who you're working with. (laughs) So my job is to help you explore this challenge from different angles And then begin to move towards some sort of action steps to make progress on that challenge. And I will do that primarily by asking questions that help you see it from different perspectives. Hmm. The people who have the most trouble with me and my coaching are people who want me to give them five steps to do the next thing. Yeah. Um, So then that's a, I think they sometimes walk away frustrated and, and I can give people five steps to do things, but that's not what primarily coaching is about. Yeah. Yeah, So
1: consulting, we grant people authority because of their expertise or their experience. And to your point, we're actually asking them what to do. Where with a coach, we're trying to come alongside people and help them understand what to do so that they're growing in ways that they wouldn't with mere uh, consulting. Right.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Karen, what about you and your experience? Who does well? Who doesn't do so well?
2: I found that people who really believe and desire transformation and change and mm-hmm. growth and that they're willing to do the work because um, it does take work and those who are willing to step in and do the homework and to mm-hmm. um, really be learners, uh, learning about themselves, learning about the skills, learning what problem they have to problem solve. Um, I find the ones who don't do well, or those who are the opposite, who they come because they think they want you to tell them what to do, and they really don't want to be told anyways, and they don't want to figure it out themselves, and especially if they've been required by a boss. They're kind of there to check off a box, and so Mm -hmm. they're a little resistant to start with.
1: So I hear you both saying that the desire or lack thereof that we bring to coaching is a really big deal. And I I also Mm. hear you saying that, but the desire needs to be kind of intelligent or sensible, meaning that we we need to know what coaching really is. So that's very helpful. Thank you both.
0: So Karen, I I have a question I'd like to ask you because you've mentioned a couple of these topics like church planting, um, you know, HR questions. You've mentioned working in smaller churches, larger churches, medium. So you've kind of seen all sorts of needs and kind of have some tools in the tool belt as context changes. And as a person grows or kind of moves through growth phases as a church, I think, you know, for example, a church plant, right? You start small and then you kind of add more components. You, you begin with fundraising and you need coaching there. And then you move toward uh, hiring people or searching for a building, you know, as these contexts change, in the same person do you maintain the same coach that's a great question
2: and i thought about that at different times because right you know as a therapist your success was when you kind of brought closer to the session or the time they've been with you and then you're kind of done for that period Mm -hmm. of time but with coaching i found that um i still have my first client from nine years ago
0: wow
2: and um There's a lot to be said to stay with the same coach because there's a lot of times with her. I can just say, Hey, you know, remember three years ago we were talking about this or this is kind of a little bit of your Achilles heel. So what do you want to do about that? What's God's invitation in this for you in this new season? I do, however, like with church planting, especially if it has to do with fundraising, I know the areas that I'm not an expert. So like with fundraising, I'll send them to, you know, other resources. Um, Also with like vestries and boards, my husband is an expert. And Mm, so I'll be like, Hey, could you email this person this? Right. Could you just have a session with them? And so I do know the resources to refer to. I'm also a learner reader myself. So you'll either see on my bookcase, a leadership book that I've read anywhere from church growth to how do you transition a church but there are others that come, and there's a very specific thing that they want to do, and we do it, and we finish. And I've had several clients where we finish, and then like a year or two later, they come back, or some mm-hmm. like to gotcha. do a month check in. So, yeah.
1: so Jay, uh, listening to Karen makes me think: when somebody's looking for a coach, is a sense of personal connection really important? Like, is that the crucial thing? Or is it really the expertise of a given coach? And, you know, he or she may not be somebody who you would be best friends with otherwise. How, how have you ex, you know explored that with clients or as people have uh, come to you?
3: Yeah, I think there is something to be said for a coach that has a an approach to their coaching that has some kind of structure and intentionality about it and a, a skill set of being able to uh explore issues and challenges and all that stuff you know so there i think there's an expertise level there that sort of transcends things so you might have a real strong personal connection with somebody but they just they don't really know how to coach that's Mm. fine however having said that that technique piece i do think that personal connection it's real you know so i coach several people that i've been coaching now for nine years as well karen i i get that and Mm -hmm. i would say you know every once in a while I bring us back to the structure. So we kind of drift from the structure and I'm just sort of a safe person who understands mm. ministry. And I, I've been in ministry, uh, like you taught, I've been in ministry full-time since 1981. I often tell people I, I haven't seen everything, yeah. but very little surprises me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something about just the, like, I've been around the block and I'm a safe person and I'm not going to judge you. And I'm, so there, there is a personal part to to probably at least my coaching with people that I think is is helpful for folks that's more relational than it is technique.
1: What are your thoughts about that, Karen? Personal connection versus kind of expertise of a coach.
2: Well, I think that you have to have a personal connection as far as like really liking and connecting with the coach. So I'll even say to people like, Um, we'll have one session and we're going to both then determine if that is a good fit for you and for me. And there have been times where I've referred someone to another therapist or the person Mm -hmm. decides it's not the best connect. So I think there is a relational connect that we do want to um, connect with others, but there's also the boundary. That's where it's like a 50 minute session. Like you said, Jay, like we're here for a purpose. We're not here just to have lunch. So it's, you know, 50 minutes on Zoom or in an office, and we are talking about their specific goals and what they want to do. That's a
1: good tip, Karen, for anybody listening who's thinking about getting coaching, is to mutually agree upon, hey, let's have a trial session and just see how it goes and uh, no hard feelings.
2: Right. And I found um, that if I've had a couple of people say, well, the coach wouldn't wouldn't let me say I didn't want to see him or something. And I said, well, then you really don't want to see them, you know, because mm-hmm. you want to have a coach that you can be able to say yes or no to the process. Yeah.
0: So Karen and Jay, we, we'd love to give you guys the chance to just share a couple stories about maybe some people in your life that you have coached um, maybe over the years, and you've seen how coaching has made a big difference in their, in their lives and in their ministries. Karen, let's start with you.
2: When I was thinking about this question, I realized I didn't have a specific story, but one of the things that I've seen over and over and over is that women leaders are attracted to me or call me because Mm -hmm. they've talked to another woman leader. I see men and women, young people, older people, but the women are leaders that have been in the church who have been deeply wounded from their journey in the church. And they're either ready to not completely leave the faith, but definitely want to not sure about the call that God gave them since the age of 18 or 30 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I could give you story after story of those women that because I walked through for 40 years pioneering and painful experiences as a woman leader in the church, that they can see that I really understand what they're going
0: through that's encouraging wonderful Jay what about you
3: we the ministry I'm with is a ministry called pastor serve and we do a lot of crisis work too uh, when things go bad in churches and, and and so that crisis might be like really bad like a, like you know a moral failing but it might also be just like high conflict burnout stress uh, pain so a lot of times the the People, when I engage somebody in coaching, it comes as a result of us being involved with the church that's in some kind, of, some kind of pain and that pastor being in some kind of pain. So I, I think like one of the things that I've seen God use, is, honestly, is just really listening to people carefully, letting them share their pain experience, their conflict, um, learning how to really validate that, affirm that they're not crazy for feeling that way and expressing just care, genuine care for them. When that happens, there's some kind of little healing that occurs. That kind of a place to be understood in ministry, it is so powerful. The One of the first people that ever called me, they said, okay, uh, I need some help, but I'm not going to tell you anything about me until I know something about you. Mm-hmm. And I had just closed the church that I had planted and led for 19 years. I had just closed it three months earlier. Well, so I told him some of the story I told you all. I said, you know, I grew up, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know this person, you know, what he looked like or anything. Mm-hmm. And then finally I was saying, and I planted this church. I led it for 19 years. And I'm like, I'm telling the story. It's coming out of my mouth. And I'm going, and, and mm-hmm. but I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say. And then I closed the church because I was mm. still feeling so much like a failure. But I went ahead and said, and then after 19 years, you know, we closed that church. And, and that was really hard. And then there was, and I didn't have much, and I said, now I work for this ministry pastor service. And then there was silence on the other end. And I thought he had hung up on me. Yeah. And then finally <laughs> out of the silence, he said, so, you know, a little bit about how hard it is to be a pastor. Mm. Yeah. And I said, Yes, I believe I do. Yeah. And then he just poured out his heart. and wow. We had a coaching relationship for about two years and he was on the verge of quitting mm. because of the pain in his life. And if I had led with all the fun things I know about ministry, that would not have connected with him. Mm -hmm. It was being able to meet him in a weak moment in my own weakness. And uh, honestly, I was afraid to say it. It just sounded horrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I closed the church. I started. (laughs) Yeah. You know, totally. God used that as a connecting point that that was useful in his life in ministry. Yeah, thank you. Those are
1: beautiful. So
0: good. We've talked about this a little bit about how the person who is receiving coaching has to be willing to do work, has to be willing to understand what this is. How frequent do you meet with people? How does that work? Do you give homework? You know, are there assignments that someone who's being coached needs to complete? How does payment work? Reporting back? What are some of the practicalities of what it's like to receive coaching?
3: So I typically coach people once a month. But when there is something that's, that needs really a lot of attention, then we do it twice a month and sometimes even weekly. It sort of depends on the intensity of the situation. You know, if there's an, right. like they're in the midst of a lot of pain or conflict or some sort of restoration program, then we meet more often. Um, yes, there is homework. We have, I have them fill out a little thing called a focus sheet that okay. uh, kind of identifies the challenge and what they want to get out of the session, why that's important to them. Um, we have a little gas gauge at the bottom, like on, you know, uh, how full are you in, in the mm, area, like yeah. full to empty and emotional, spiritual and physical. And then I always share with them my approach to coaching, which I have a four-step approach to my coaching conversation. So I let them know, here's what we're going to do together. Um, and then when sometimes in that first coaching uh, session, I'll even say, okay, we're going to explore you know, I, I'm going to, first I start with, let, I let you set the agenda. It spells the word lead. You let I let you set the agenda. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you've set the agenda. Now we're going to explore it. And then I'll move around to like A is um, now let's start to think of actionable items, things you could do. And then D, the last step is um, let's develop some resources and support for you doing those action steps. So, Karen, as we
1: come to the end of our time today, I'm picturing someone listening to us who's you know, maybe a bit unsure still about whether they want to get coaching or not, but maybe are leaning in the direction. What should they do next? And I'm wondering, like, how would you winsomely invite somebody into coaching?
2: First, I would say, ask people that see a coach. My practice is basically built on word of mouth. And so ask around, see who says that the coach is good. I would also say to call the coach and And talk to them and to build that that rapport and for the coach to answer any questions. Usually what I have is sometimes I have an inquiry and then I'm like, well, I have some more information if you'd like me to send it to you. And that kind of makes it like they don't have to give me an answer right there. So I have two different sheets I send them. It's called welcome. It tells basically like Jay was saying, what's expected in the coaching uh, and then there's an agreement that they sign, just agreeing to different things, payment. And then um, I encourage them to decide if that's a coach that they want to connect with. Yeah. So and you so, also can go on websites now and kind of get a feel. Yeah. Um, I looked Jay up last night because I knew him <laughs> back in, in earlier yeah. days and I just wanted to see what he was doing. And so I got a good feel from what you do and pastor serve. So great ministry.
1: So in terms of invitation, Karen, how would you fill in this blank? Gosh, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, I really wish you would get count uh, coaching because
2: <clears throat> I think it goes back to like, do you want to be the best leader that God has created you to be? And do you want to be transformed into a Christ like leader? And that's going to take other people helping you and coaching and working on your goals. Um, I also do, I work from a very much strengths-based leadership where I do assessments up front. A lot of times leaders don't really know who they are. They don't Mm. really know. I'm like, maybe we need to figure out like what your gifting is. There was one guy I worked with recently who he thought he was called to church plant, started it and you know, I said, let's do some assessments. And I was like, finally said, you know, I don't think you're a church planter. Mm-hmm. And he felt so relieved.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. So, so it's an invitation to what are they bringing to us as well? Yeah. So,
0: that's yeah, so tough, you. but that's so important to be that source of truth for people yeah. who yeah, are discerning right. calls to ministry or discerning roles. That's that's very helpful. You need some transition in gonna...
2: life. I get a lot of right. people who are in transitions.
0: Exactly. So. I'd love to ask you, both. But we'll start with you, Jay. Looking back <laughs> at those you've coached, kind of over your your years of experience coaching leaders, what makes you the most hopeful for the future? What gives you hope about the future of Christian leaders for them and for their ministries?
3: Yeah, I love the heart I see in pastors and leaders to communicate the love and grace of Jesus Christ
0: Mm. in an
3: ever-changing, needful world. That just constantly gives me hope. And it's such a privilege to be able to come alongside those pastors and leaders and be a safe place for them to process things and make progress on those. But man, there are a, a lot, you all know this, there are a lot of amazing men and women who love Jesus and love this world he made. And it is a privilege. It, and they're unique. Yeah. You know, it's unique uh, in this world um, where people without our Lord tend to be
2: pretty self absorbed.
0: Yeah. Karen, seem to you, what would you say? I
2: would say that I really have um, hope because I think we're in a generation where coaching is acceptable and encouraged. And when I watch clients come in and really do the work and they leave more uh, transformed in what God has truly called them to do. And they're living in their life vision, their life giving moments. I feel like that's where they can serve the kingdom of God the best. And I think that um, that's what really following Christ is. And he never sent his disciples out alone. I get concerned about leaders who feel like they can do it all alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just feel like Jesus says that's not the
0: way. Mm. Yeah. That's a good word. Well,
2: all four
1: of us have said today that we uh, have coaches and appreciate our coaches. Three of us, not Mickey, are old enough to coach. Mickey <laughs> will be there someday. I can just see her uh, 20 years from now coaching other church planters or who knows, five we or 10 years from now. We learn a lot in church planting. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is true.
0: At the end, hopefully, I'm an expert.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, the, the bottom line invitation for those uh, listening today who are in C4SO or Uh, just friends of C4SO, is we really wanted to commend to you today Mm -hmm. the goodness and the the wisdom of having a coach, that it's good for you, it's good for your family, it's good for those you lead, and for the whole congregation. So Karen and Jay, thank you so much for giving us a peek into the window of coaching today.
2: Thank you.
3: Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the C4SO podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to share this episode and subscribe and leave a review. It helps us to get the word out. Thanks.